Coming up on this week's edition of Stat Pack, we take a detailed look at the amazing start by the only undefeated team left in the NFL. Also, we take a look at the big board and find out which teams could be falling apart and which teams are showing their strength of victory. And finally, while it might be a week, week eight coming up, we take a look at the top six matchups and tell you which ones might be some sneaky good games by taking a look at the Intelligence Index. All this and more on Stat Pack. Welcome to this week's edition of Stat Pack, providing you with a six pack of subjects featuring the cold, hard football facts and the stats that truly matter. Here's your host, Adam Dobrowolski. Hey there, Pigskins fans, and welcome to the week eight edition of Stat Pack. I'm your host, as usual, Adam Dobrovolsky, and for this week's edition, we focus our athletics on the Kansas City Chiefs, the lone unbeaten team left in the NFL and a team that was 2-14 last year. We'll take a look at the elasticity of their defensive performance so far this season and see exactly how much this may maintain for not just this year, but even next year. Some of the things the Chiefs are doing already are suggesting that regression might be on its way, if not for 2013, for 2014. We'll take a look at that. We'll look at our big board, see which teams are standing out, picking up, maybe going down. And also, of course, King of Props, Intelligence Index, top games, and top teams all coming up on this week's edition. Let's get down to business with a focus first on the Kansas City Chiefs. Find out what stats and trends you can buy or sell as we delve into this week's Mathletics. And for this week's Mathletics segment, we're not looking at which teams to buy or sell. We're looking at, well, what parts of the Kansas City Chiefs we can buy or sell. They are, after all, the only undefeated team left in the National Football League. And yes, I know it's right now a very fortunate part of their schedule. They began their season defeating the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars. They've had some recent victories against the New York Giants, who just got their first victory, the tanking Houston Texans. And this upcoming week, well, they have Jason Campbell in the Cleveland Browns. And this what is finishing up a stretch of three consecutive home games and all against teams with a losing record. So it's not exactly the toughest slate for the Kansas City Chiefs, but they're still doing a great job. In fact, the Chiefs are maybe putting themselves in line for history. The Kansas City Chiefs 7-0 have yet to allow more than 17 points at any point this season. And in fact, they become just the 15th team since 1940 to allow 17 points or fewer in each of their first seven games. And it's only the fifth team in the live ball era. The 1978 Pittsburgh Steelers, the 1991 Kansas City Chiefs, the 2005 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the 2006 New England Patriots. Now, for those of you who know your history quite well, the 78 Steelers stand out. They won the Super Bowl. The other three teams, well, if you know your years, none of them won a Super Bowl. and Well, only the New England Patriots made it as far enough as the conference championship game. But all four of those teams allowed more than 17 points in game eight. And with the Chiefs at home playing a Cleveland Browns team that is towards the bottom, if not at the bottom, in pass offense, 
switching quarterbacks from Brandon Whedon to Jason Campbell, there's a good chance that this Chiefs team, as long as they continue to play the smart football that they're doing, number one in the intelligence index, there's a good chance that the Chiefs become the first team in the live ball era to go an entire half of the season without allowing more than 17 points in a single game. I think that tells you exactly how good their defense is. But this, to me, comes as a surprise after what they did last year. Not that their defense is good, it's that it's this good. The Chiefs this season doing a great job in terms of their defensive passer rating. This season, 250 passes allowed, 134 of those for completions, for 1,607 yards, 6 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Spit all those numbers into a calculator and you got a defensive pass rating of 64.87. Last year, well, for the season, 464 passes allowed for 279 completions, 3,694 yards, 29 touchdowns, and only 7 interceptions for a defensive pass rating of 99.91. That means so far, and obviously there's nine games left, so this could change. The Chiefs have improved their passer rating defensively by 35.04 points. If you go back to the live ball era all the way back to 1978, we'll actually start our study in 1979 because we're looking at it relatively from the year before. But you go all the way back that far, and there's only two teams that have improved their defensive passer rating by a higher amount. The 1981 San Francisco 49ers. Well, they improve by 35.5 points en route to winning the Super Bowl. The 1982 Miami Dolphins. Well, they, in a strike shortened season, improved by 36 points. And well, for those of you who know your history, they too made it to the Super Bowl. And, and let's kind of look back to see how those teams kind of fared after all this fun and games. The San Francisco 49ers, as mentioned, they go out and they win the Super Bowl in 1981. Successful against the Cincinnati Bengals in Super Bowl 16. They win 26-21. This was... Really, the, the first year of their dynasty, they get a guy like Ronnie Lott in the draft. They go 13-3. and That, after the previous season, going just 6-10. and They improved so well. The following year, though, was the down year of the dynasty. 3-6 and in the strike-shortened season. And they declined by 21.8 points in defensive passer rating. So, the 49ers took them a year to bounce back. 10 and 6 in 1983, and it kind of started to really even out their overall defensive passer rating uh, with a 78.0 defensive passer rating that season. It, it was a lot more back to normal in terms of uh, the elasticity, which means uh, how much a team can spring upward or downward. It kind of tends to get a little bit more rigid as uh, the years progressed, but. The 49ers still had a solid pass defense, an elite pass offense, and they set the standard for pass rating differential in the 1980s. The other team, the Miami Dolphins in 1982, oh, as we mentioned, set the standard, albeit a shorter sample size with just nine games 
1982. But they ended up losing Super Bowl 17 to the Washington Redskins 27-17. The difference that go-ahead touchdown by John Riggins. But Miami 7-2 in 1982, the year before in 81, they were 11-4-1. They were a team that was in pretty good standing overall, but they struggled in the passing game. Offensive pass rating of 70.2, defensive pass rating of 80.9. Well, they were able to figure things out with the Killer Bees the following year, made it to the Super Bowl. The following year, 1983, well, they were 12-4, and and their passer rating did decline 25.1 points. But their offense, well... They figured things out by drafting Dan Marino. And obviously, the next year in 1985, or 1984, I should say, they made it to the Super Bowl again, this time losing to the San Francisco 49ers. How kind of things turned around and became full circle. So the Kansas City Chiefs, if they hold at this point, will be number three on the list. But let's. Going a little bit more detail. Let's look a little bit deeper into the Mathletics. 14 teams, not including the Kansas City Chiefs because their year isn't over. 14 teams in the live ball era improved in defensive pass rating by 25 points or more. The following season, only one team improved again. And you have to look at the 1985 and 86 Minnesota Vikings. The 84 Vikings had one of the worst passing defenses in NFL history. Put up a defensive passer rating over 100. You rarely see it back in that day. Now it might be a little bit more commonplace, but I mean, we're probably looking at a relative defensive passer rating that rivals the lowly 2008 Detroit Lions. So the Vikings improved by 30.3 points in 85-86. They improved by another 5.6 points. It was interesting to see those Minnesota Vikings and how they kind of did all this because, as mentioned, with that historically bad pass defense in 1984, they were a 3-13 team. It wasn't looking good for them. 104.4. The following year in 85, after those significant improvements, they only went to 7-9. and nine. It was pretty much just getting out of the depths of the league. In 86, they improved one more time. They're 9-7 with the 68.5 defensive pass rating and offensive pass rating of 90.1. You would think that you know maybe they can get some luck their way. They probably should have been more like an 11-5 team. Well, as you would know, luck got them a little bit better in 1987. 8-7 regular season record, but one of the biggest upsets in NFL playoff history when they went at San Francisco in the divisional round and took down the 13-2 49ers 36-24. They would end up losing in the conference championship game, though. To kind of close out the Minnesota Vikings story, in 1988, they put together one of the best defensive passer ratings of all time, 41.2. The Vikings went 11-5, but... They were destroyed in a divisional round by the San Francisco 49ers, 34-9. And the 49ers won Super Bowl 23. And the Vikings actually have been quite the most interesting team in terms of passing defense and rating. They appear 
three different times on this list. We already mentioned the 88 Vikings and 85 Vikings. The last team, the 2003 Minnesota Vikings, and, well, they ended up having a worse rating in 2004 than they did the previous two years in 2002, and they had that huge spring back in 03 to get better. They went right back down to earth in 04. Bottom line here, as it pertains to the Kansas City Chiefs in 2013, I'm looking to see what happens when the Chiefs eventually allow more than 17 points. I don't know if they're going to keep up as strong of a mark as they've had in defensive passer rating right now in the mid-60s, but even if they get to the mid-70s, they're in line for aggression the following season. I think they're going to be overall good and still a team that will make, obviously, the postseason and have a chance to win playoff games, but it all depends, as I've said before, on Alex Smith. I've mentioned already in games in which Alex Smith's opponents have allowed, or Alex Smith's teams, I should say, have allowed more than 24 points. He owns a 225 and one record as a starter. Now, since the 2011 season, when the 49ers improved all the way to 13 and three, and Alex Smith became the quintessential game manager, give him a good defense, give him a good running game, he'll take care of you, he'll make you win games. He has a 2-3-1 mark when his teams allow 24 points or more. But we're looking at the 17-point threshold that we had for the first seven games. So instead, I looked at that. And Alex Smith's career record when his teams allow more than 17 points is 11-33-1. And that includes a 7-5-1 mark since 2011. So he's pretty much a slightly above-average winning quarterback when... His defense allows 17 points or more. Bottom line, let's just bottle that up for this season. A 7-0 start? Well, I think that can mean they're a 12-4 team by the end of this season. And even if that doesn't win them the division, that gives them the top wild card spot. And you give me a 12-4 team on the road, possibly facing a team like Cincinnati, Indianapolis, or New England maybe even, it could be an interesting game that Alex Smith officially makes his, I don't know, next ascent, so to say, as a quarterback, or it could be a game that proves Alex Smith as a shortcoming quarterback in terms of the balance. We talk about it, balance here at Cold Hard Football Facts, those super sexy offenses like the Denver Broncos, how they kind of tend to be a little bit erratic and are just a big tease when it comes postseason time. Well, I think the, quite the opposite can be said. The teams that don't have enough offense, well, they tend to fizzle as well in the playoffs. So keep a lookout for Kansas City, but their defense is in rare territory right now. Enjoy what they're doing right now because it's not exactly the most long-lasting thing that we can expect to happen. And that, my friends, is the mathletics of this year's Kansas City Chiefs 7-0 start. Get a taste of the CHFF Insider as Adam takes a look at this week's statistical big boards. Well, that took up about half of our show. The reason being, well, unfortunately, week eight isn't going to be the best week that we have. But before we get there, let's take a look at the big board from week seven. And finally, the Houston Texans, finally, they put up a respectable bendability that is actually more than 12 yards per point, in fact. Flip around those numbers. 21 yards per point for the Kansas City Chiefs at home against the Houston Texans. 
Well, maybe that's why we're complaining about Alex Smith. Maybe that's just regression. I don't know. I'm just happy for the Houston Texans that they could finally put together a respectable, smart game. And what would you know? They only lost by one in Kansas City. That's a pretty good thing. And, well, that gets Case Keenum another start, I think, when it's all said and done after the bye. The team that they will face, the Indianapolis Colts, well, they're a team that had the biggest win of Week 7 taking down the Denver Broncos 39-33 and Peyton Manning's return to Indianapolis. The thing you should know about the Indianapolis Colts and what is by and far the three most impressive victories this season, along with the three victories that the Cincinnati Bengals have, the Colts are getting it done with their smarts. The intelligence index will tell you this, but I'm going to look just at bendability and scoreability on an individual basis in each of the games. In week three against the San Francisco 49ers, it was about a defense that would bend but not break. The team put together a 36.29 bendability at San Francisco in the 27-7 victory. Two weeks later, the home victory against the Seattle Seahawks, the Colts had a scoreability of 9.32. Key plays, well, of course, that long pass play to T.Y. Hilton to get things started, but the blocked field goal. You didn't need any yards to get seven points. The Colts, after that, had an efficient offense led by Andrew Luck. And then finally, Sunday against the Denver Broncos, the scoreability of 8.56. The sack and safety by Robert Mathis turned that game around. And again, Andrew Luck would then get the job done with efficient scoring offense. That Colts team is going to be tough to take down. And they're going to be the team, if they can continue to do this, will make noise in the AFC postseason. As for Cincinnati, as I mentioned, they probably have the next best trio of victories, and those two teams have the best trio of victories by and far. Well, the Cincinnati Bengals, they kind of switched it up this past week as they won at Detroit. The first two times, their home victories against Green Bay and New England saw some huge streaks come to an end. Aaron Rodgers in his 43-game streak of not throwing multiple interceptions, came to an end. Two weeks later, Tom Brady, his impressive 52-game streak of throwing at least one touchdown in each game, that came to an end. It all came down to the offense getting the job done in Detroit because, well, Detroit actually put together a very strong third-down offense and had some big plays against Cincinnati, but Andy Dalton and crew got the job done. A real quarterback rating of 130.56, 11th best according to our big board of 214 team performances. And then how about this? 10.40 real passing yards per attempt. That's the sixth best mark of the season. Of course, we also have to talk about those Seattle Seahawks and their defensive hogs are now starting to roll. Keep a lookout for this team They're now fully healthy in the front seven, and it shows number one in the defensive hog index. Why? Because the last two weeks against Tennessee and Arizona, each time a defensive hog index for the week of 5.00. If this Seattle Seahawks team can keep doing that, and Percy Harvin's coming back soon to help maybe regulate out the struggling offensive hogs, get some short passes and screens that limit the opposing front sevens from quickly attacking Russell Wilson and Grew. This team will be the by and far Super Bowl favorite. Of course, we will close things off on a bad note because why not? Let's have some fun with it. 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their defense. It looks like it's falling apart, and that is the last thing you want for a team that has a rookie quarterback on offense and one of the worst offenses in the league. The Buccaneers allowing a season best for any team this year. 138.65 real quarterback rating to the Atlanta Falcons this past Sunday. The week before against the Eagles, they put up the fourth best mark, 134.11. And Cam Newton had one of his best games this past Sunday against the Rams. Might that continue? And I think if it does, you got to fire Greg Schiano. He's not using Darrell Revis right, and the fans actually went to the team's facility to try and show these coaches how to use Revis Island. And while the last two weeks show it, they have no clue what they're doing, they need to go. Get rid of them. See you later. Have fun in the unemployment line. Now, let's move to the next segment. Need help with your prop bets? Adam gives you an inside scoop by review in this week's bets from the king of props. Third up on our six-pack of subjects, we take a look at the king of props from week seven. Now, a, a two-and-two week for Mr. Dudley. It wasn't the best. It wasn't the worst of weeks. It was kind of just a bit of tough luck and maybe a risk that shouldn't have been taken. And then, of course, the solid picks for the victories. First off, for the Thursday night game, when you put together an overline for a 39 and a half yard touchdown, you think you're pretty good when you have the Seattle Seahawks going up against Carson Palmer, who's an Eli Manning away from being tops in the league in interceptions. Unfortunately, Brandon Browner couldn't keep his feet and fell at the one yard line trying to get a pick six. That is the difference. That one yard from a three and one week. The two victories were good ideas, if not great ideas. Picking the over on RG3's 37 rushing yards. He showed exactly his improvements when he faced the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football, that his speed was getting close to back to normal. And then you have that poor Chicago pass defense. Well, why not? When he goes back to pass, he's going to have open lanes to run. That's why we have real quarterback rating instead of offensive pass ring as our top passing indicator now because, well, it shows a little bit more of what the quarterback can do. RG3 got the job done, 84 rushing yards. And then CJ2K, our king of props, said he would get over two receptions. He gets four. The only uh, questionable pick, Monday Night Football, saying that Josh Freeman would go over 10.5 rushing yards. It wasn't a bad idea. I mean, Freeman in his first start, might be a little bit confused as to what plays exactly are going. Maybe you decide to bail and run for it. Well, Freeman didn't do it, and he probably should have. No rushing attempts, no yards, and one of the worst passing performances of the season. And he had a completion percentage worse than 40. He missed a lot of throws, yes. Probably should have ran for some. Sometimes you just have to listen to the king of props. If he says, I'm taking the over, maybe if you're the player, you should try it. Maybe that'll help you out in the end instead of losing 23-7 to in Monday Night Football to a winless team, and a team that was arguably the worst in the league going into Week 7. But sometimes they learn the hard way. Well, I hope you're not learning the hard way here. You should be a CHFF insider. Only $99 for the season. $9.95 weekly. You can find out the king of props, all his predictions. You can find out more 
find out ways how you can make money. Yes, you have to pay for it, but you end up making the money back and then some. So become a Cold Hard Football Facts Insider. Check it out now. I'm promising it'll pay off for you in the end. Now, let's look ahead to Week 8 as we look at our top teams. Which players or teams are striving as the season churns on? Let's find out with the six-pack of top performers for this week. Well, let's begin my six-pack of top teams with number six, and that's the San Francisco 49ers, a team that is right now ninth in the quality stats power rankings and probably in terms of the quality stats not looking all too great in terms of being in the top six, but a 5-2 and two team that had their two losses against Indianapolis and Seattle. The other teams that they've faced, they've been the better team, clearly. And, after all, they are still a top-10 team in the key pass defense indicators. Ninth in defensive real passing yards per attempt. Fifth in defensive quarterback rating, a uh, real quarterback rating. Fourth in defensive pass rating. And eighth in the defensive hog index. I think they're only going to get better. Why not put them at number six? Number five on our list, surprisingly so, still the Indianapolis Colts. A 5-2 and two team with the three best victories. Why not put them higher? I mean, after all, they're third in the quality stats power rankings. My reasoning, well, look at the other games. A close home win against the Oakland Raiders. Not a good team in our power rankings. A loss at home against Minnesota. A middling team, according to the quality stats. Yes, a dominant victory at Jacksonville, but they're dead last, according to the quality stats. And then an ugly Monday night football loss at San Diego. I know they go up, they play great against the top teams. I want to see them on a down day, what they'll do. If they can be a dominant team on those down days. Because champions, not only can they win some of those big games, but they also dominate the teams they should. So when the Colts get there, they'll be in my top three. Number four on my list, the New Orleans Saints. That's where they are on the quality stats power rankings. Look, they're a top five team in 11 indicators. This includes being fourth in real passing yards per attempt, being number one in real quarterback rating differential, and being number three in pass rating differential. My number three team is the number one team, according to the quality stats, the Seattle Seahawks. And they are the most balanced team. I think they are the best team in terms of likelihood of being a Super Bowl team right now, but it is the regular season. In terms of the power rankings, I work a little bit different now as opposed to later on. Later on, they'd be number one. They're top three in so many different indicators. Defensive real passing yards per attempt, defensive real quarterback rating, quarterback rating differential, defensive pass rating, pass rating differential, defensive hog index, team total yards differential. They're a top 10 team in every quality stat except for three. Offensive hog index, offensive rusher rating, and turnovers. I think if they get better in those three stats, well, they'll probably be number one on my list even in the regular season. The top two teams are out in the AFC West, and they're your best offense and best defensive respectively. Number two, the Denver Broncos. Number one, the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the Broncos, as you may know if you're an insider are right now kind of the Lindsay Lohan of the NFL and they're a team that is kind of showing their imbalance but maybe Von Miller is the remedy first game we didn't really see it all that much I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the Denver Broncos that they're going to improve their numbers 
They're 30th in defensive real passing yards per attempt, but 19th in defensive real quarterback rating and defensive pass rating. I think that can get better. Their defensive hogs are still good. So I think with Von Miller, it may only get better. And remember, they're still a top team in scoreability, real passing yards per attempt, real quarterback rating, offensive pass rating, and team total yards. They just need to get a little bit more balanced if they want to extend this into the postseason and not continue to trend down downward. It looks good through seven weeks heading into week eight. It's not going to look good later on in the season. And as mentioned, the number one team, the Kansas City Chiefs, we already mentioned it. Look, outside of four stats, the Chiefs are in the top eight in every quality stat. The only four they're not, real passing yards per attempt, real quarterback rating, offensive pass rating, and the offensive hog index. Like Denver, as the season progresses, I'm going to be a little bit less impressed by the imbalance. I'm going to be a little bit more critical of the imbalance. I need to see that balance come out. Kansas City Chiefs can improve their offense. They'll stay as a top dog. They can stay undefeated. That'll help for them to stay at the top dog. If not, we're going to see the Hawks continue to fly upward in the rankings. That concludes my six-pack of top teams. Now let's look ahead to see which teams are the best and worst bets for this upcoming week with a preview from the Intelligence Index. Now let's take a look, figure out what's on your television dial. I don't know whatever package you have. Maybe you can see every game. If so, well, you're in luck because I'm going to tell you, according to the Intelligence Index, where the good buys, where the games you might want to avoid unless you're a fan of train wrecks. First off, your best bets of quality, smart football games. Obviously, everyone knows Dallas at Detroit's going to be the best game of the week. Those are the two, those are two top 10 teams, according to the Intelligence Index. That is a good bet. How about Miami at New England? This is, besides Dallas and Detroit, the only other match where both teams have an Intelligence Index of plus two or better. So bet on that one being a smart football game. Two top 11 teams. How about Buffalo at New York? Those two teams are both positive in the intelligence index, and the Bills have actually played their quality opponents quite well. Remember how close they played the New England Patriots. Remember, they beat Baltimore, albeit a 3-4 and four team. They beat them. They beat the Carolina Panthers, albeit a 3-3 three and three team. Not quality teams, but still teams that are good that they beat. And the Bills have kept every game close. So maybe they have their one bad game against the New Orleans Saints, but it's looking like it's going to be a smartly played game by both teams. The Saints are fifth in the Intelligence Index. And then finally, how about Seattle at St. Louis? Everyone's expecting this one to be a blowout. Kellen Clemens under center. But the Rams do have a positive Intelligence Index, albeit barely. That might be one that might be a little bit better than most would bargain for. As for the potential train wrecks, if you like to see sloppy football, these are your games. New York at Philadelphia. Need we say more? Those are two teams, 24th or worst in the Intelligence Index. Same goes for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Oakland Raiders. And then finally, Atlanta at Arizona. Atlanta 20th, Arizona 21st. Both have a negative Intelligence Index. Those are your best buys and your potential train wrecks according to the Intelligence Index for Week 8. Let's wrap the program with what's best for the week ahead. It's the six-pack of top games for this coming week. And now finally, because, well, we have to do it. We have to put a six-pack of top games for week eight, and, well, 
I just do it by playing the process of elimination. Five of our 13 games for Week 8 have severe mismatches according to the quality stats power rankings. Five games with a differential of 20 ranks or more. Meanwhile, you have two others where both teams are ranked 20th or worst. So I get rid of those seven games, and, well, our math is pretty good here. That leaves six left. And these are the six games we have left. And don't laugh. I know it doesn't seem well, but we're going to try it anyway. One of my potential train wrecks is actually in the top six, Atlanta at Arizona. We do have this going for us. We do have a team that is in the top 10 in real quarterback rating in the Atlanta Falcons and a team that's in the top 10 in defensive real quarterback rating in the Arizona Cardinals. So this one could be at least close in an afternoon game. Number five on our list, the New York Jets at the Cincinnati Bengals. Now this is the only AFC matchup where both teams are over 500. But if you look at the Jets' trend this season, this takes a few steps back. The Jets have played well in the odd weeks and have played poorly in the even weeks. This is an even week. The Jets have been 1-0. They have been 2-1. They have been 3-2. and They've been 4-3. and And yet still they don't have a winning streak. I don't think they're going to get it this week in Cincinnati. Number four, the Buffalo Bills at the New Orleans Saints. As I mentioned already, this is one of your smart bets for a quality football game. The Bills... And their three losses to quality teams have been by an average of four points. The New Orleans Saints, they're going to be a team that can get the job done offensively and defensively. And you know what? That Lewis has actually been pretty decent. We'll see if the Bills can hang in the Superdome. Number three, Washington at Denver. Not exactly your smartest game. Not exactly the most quality game by the stats. But this does feature RG3 at Peyton Manning. So this will be a matchup. That will be pretty good. While we had the Bills and Saints have 6th in defensive pass rating at 5th in offensive pass rating, this is just going to be about the offenses. Both defenses continue to trend downward. Both offenses looking really good, especially what RG3 and crew did to the Chicago Bears last week, hanging up 45 on the board. Number 2, Miami at New England. Miami is ninth in scoreability. New England 4th in bendability. Not exactly your sexiest game statistically, but it is a classic rivalry. It's in the AFC East, and if the Dolphins win, they're 4-3. and three. The Patriots are 5-3, and three, and the Jets are either within a game or tied for the division lead. That could be quite interesting. So somehow, someway, that's number two. But really the only game that I feel is worth watching that's must-see TV besides the usual pigskins are awesome type mentality. Dallas at Detroit. This is going to be a great game, folks. Two, four, and three teams. Dallas all the way up to eighth in the quality stats power rankings after limiting the Eagles to just three points last week. Detroit, they're 12th in the quality stats power rankings. This is the only NFC game where both teams are over 500. And this is a matchup that features two top 10 teams in real quarterback rating differential. They can get the job done offensively and defensively. Dallas is Defense has been weaker, but their offense has been more consistent. I don't know how much I still buy Matt Stafford, but he does have one win against a team with a quality record this season in the 4-3 and Chicago Bears, even if they're trending downward. This could be another one, depending on how the Cowboys do later on in the season. Obviously, 
A loss this week would drop the Cowboys to 500. They wouldn't be a quality team through eight weeks. Bottom line, this is an important game because of playoff implications. The Eagles find a way to surge in the second half of the season. Dallas might be fighting for a wild card spot. The Lions currently are. This one could have some huge importance. And it's pretty much the only game that you know you're going to have explosive offenses with opposing defenses that can make plays. For all the Cowboys' struggles this season, they are making plays. Detroit's same type of thing. DeAndre Levy has four interceptions for the Lions. Brandon Carr's playing shutdown defense is one of the corners. And even guys on the defensive line like Kyle Wilbur for the, or for the Cowboys are standing out, even coming in for a guy like DeMarcus Ware. This should be your barn burner of the week, and it might be the only one that really stands out for a week, week eight. But that just about does it for this edition of Stat Pack. Still enjoy the week, fans. This is, as always, going to be a quality week of football. It might not be the best one we have. It might be the worst of the year. But you know what? If the worst of the year we have is still a week of pigskins, I'll take it over pretty much anything else. Enjoy, everybody. Enjoy, everybody.